This is a Retail Insider Podcast. You're listening to a special edition. Welcome to the Retail Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Craig Patterson. I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Retail Insider, and we're joined here today with a special guest, Nicola Kilner. She's the CEO and co-founder of beauty brand Decium, which was founded in Toronto. Welcome, Nicola. Hi, Craig. It's good to be here. <laughs> now, tell me a little bit about the Decium uh, brand and its product. So Decium is the um, abnormal beauty company. Um, we have an umbrella of different beauty brands. Probably the brand that people are most familiar with is our brand called The Ordinary. We focus on functional beauty products, uh, products that really make a difference. The Ordinary is all around taking those familiar ingredients and making them more accessible. Uh, we believe in radical transparency when it comes from our ingredients to our values, our principles, uh, the way we are as a, as a team. Uh, we believe in, in kind of being very open book. Uh, we also have another, uh, our second largest brand is our brand called Neod, which always focuses on the future of technology and always taking a, a longer term look at skin health. But we do everything in-house uh, from our head office, which is in Toronto. Excellent, excellent. And tell me a little bit about, uh, now you're the CEO and, and co-founder. Tell me how you got into this uh, role uh, in terms of a bit of a history of the brand. Um, so Brandon, he was our founder. I met him uh, back in 2012, actually, when he was at his previous business and I was working at Boots, um, the retailer in the UK, as a buyer. Um, then after he left Indeed Labs, which was his previous beauty business, he uh, we kept in touch. He wanted to start something called Decium. Decium is from the Latin word for the number 10. And it was all about building 10 brands at once. Um, and it sounded incredibly exciting. Uh, he was a very charismatic, engaging uh, leader who, you know, you sometimes meet someone and think, actually, I want to spend uh, much more of my life around this person. Um, and yeah, I jumped at the chance to join him at Desium, and that was back in 2013. Um, and, you know, in the early days, we uh, tried many brands and not all of them are around today. Some didn't quite make it, uh, but we had a lot of fun trying to really just think how we could think differently around the beauty industry. And actually, instead of focusing on trends, we focused on science. We hired Pridvi uh, to really lead all of our science innovation. Um, and then, yeah, Brandon and I worked exceptionally close together. Sadly, Brandon's no longer here, so I'm now um, left on my own in, in this C role, uh, but very supported incredibly well by a, a leadership team and much more than that, the, the team and family of Decium are some of the most phenomenal individuals in the world. And Decium is known for its extremely reasonable price point and high quality products. And I'm saying this because I also use some of the products. Uh, um, how do you view Decium in the market in terms of being a bit of a disruptor, say, compared to uh, other beauty brands, which would be much more expensive, I guess we would say. So we've always made a stance that price point shouldn't define luxury, uh, which I sadly think it, it has done previously. Um, and it's interesting, you know, within, if you think about the healthcare industry, if you have a headache, you go to the pharmacy, you know, you want to buy some aspirin or some paracetamol, but you know, when you go into the pharmacy, you're going to be spending, you know, maybe $5 um, to, to get that ingredient that you really need. But you never doubt the efficacy of that ingredient when it comes to healthcare, because there's always been so much transparency around what the ingredient is, what the concentration is, the testing behind it, what the price point should be for, for that particular ingredient. 
Yet that transparency was never really around in the world of beauty. So actually much of the value was therefore coming through in packaging and in advertising campaigns and, you know, these other areas, which I don't think were really um, what was important to the consumer and actually what they really valued as value so you know we tried to take this new transparent approach um, and also kind of just reposition this that actually price point doesn't define luxury you know luxury is about authenticity it's about the experience it's about the trust and and I think you know even through our retail strategy you'll find us now in some of the most prestigious department stores in the world from Harrods to Harvey Nichols Selfridges and in the beauty halls you know we sit alongside some of the most iconic luxury brands in the world even though our price points you know start from uh, four dollars but that was a really big thing that we wanted to change the conversation on to say actually just because the price point is more accessible doesn't mean that this isn't a luxury um valued high trusted product oh that's excellent and um no, it's headquartered in uh, Toronto. Will the brand continue to be headquartered uh, in Toronto under the Estee Lauder? I think there was a partial ownership and there will eventually be a full ownership of the company? Absolutely. So, yeah, uh, there's no plans to change our head office um, with ELC. So they did increase their their ownership, but they um, haven't taken full ownership yet. But they are the most supportive uh, partners that I think we could have ever dreamt of. Uh, they love everything we're doing. They don't want to change us and they love the creativity and that happens you know I think Toronto is a just incredible city that just has this most electric mix of cultures all come together and I think that really was you know responsible for I think much of the creativity within our brands Uh, so we absolutely do not want to move our head office away from Toronto. Mm -hmm. And the stores are really quite whimsical. The first stores were in Toronto. I got to attend the opening, actually, of the first one on Queen Street West. And now I think there's five in Toronto. But other markets also have multiple stores. Uh, Tell me a little bit about the uh, retail strategy around uh, Destiem. Because my understanding, you know, early on in the early days was that there would be a multi-location penetration within a market. But there's also wholesale um, what are we seeing with stores and SCM right now uh, in terms of brand expansion? So when we're looking at our own stores, you know, we very much believe in the importance of that human connection um, and being in those cities where consumers can come in, they can talk to our SCM trained uh, colleagues, they can feel the products, they can try products, they can work on uh, regimes and get advice they need. Um, but, you know, when we're looking at kind of which city to go into, there's so many factors that come into it. You know, first of all, you have the, is the consumer there? Do we do we believe it's a right fit for us in that city? But then it's even just the, the details of what's the opportunity with the building? What does it look like? Who are we going to be sat next to? Um, you know, I think some of those little details when picking our own stores are so important. Uh, you know, is it a community we'll feel proud to be a part of? Is there... Um, charities that we can help support you know we very much believe in in our stores being very community focused and then when it comes to our expansion with our our partners you know Sephora US Sephora Canada we're launching in all stores in July Uh, we've just launched um, recently our colors and our concealers with Ulta in, in the US who course we already have the, um, the, the skincare lines as so continuing to get incredible support within North America from our partners. Oh terrific. Um, now in terms of the retail expansion are there any other markets that we might see these uh, DSTM stores going into um, you know say in Canada or globally? 
Um, so in terms of new markets, you know, well, over the next couple of years, we're looking very closely at the moment to India. Uh, we're looking at the Middle East. We're looking at Malaysia. Uh, these are markets where we know there's a huge demand for the products. Um, but, you know, it's it's always a complex business trying to expand globally when you have different regulatory requirements for different markets. Then there is a labeling, multilingual languages needed. Um, so we're working through all of the complexities now, uh, but really hopeful that you'll see us in those markets within the next couple of years. And would the strategy be um, multi-locations per uh, market to, to build that brand awareness? Yeah, so we always look at, and I think we always love to have some kind of our own uh, freestanding stores to make sure that someone can really have that brand experience. But then also just working with the right partners um, in those markets to also help us understand, um, you know, the the people, the cultures, the, the differences to make sure that we're really um, talking to, to the consumers how they, they want to be and in the places where they're looking. And the current markets, I'm thinking where the stores are, you know, we've got uh, Toronto, New York City, Vancouver, London. Um, what other ones are there uh, in terms of sort of that that market uh, penetration strategy with standalone stores? And so we have uh, for over 40 stores now, uh, freestanding stores around the world. And so, so you mentioned some there, but, you know, you'll find us in Australia, in Melbourne, Sydney. Uh, we have two stores in Seoul now in South Korea. Um, we have... <laughs> eight different stores in, in London. Uh, obviously, New York's really present for us. Um, we're continuing to try and look for some stores uh, in Europe. We would love to have a store in Paris. We would love to have a store in Berlin. Uh, but again, it's just trying to, to wait for those right opportunities. Oh, excellent. And uh, now wholesale is still going, or is there a percentage, say, of um, you know the, the company doing wholesale versus uh, retail at the, at the moment? Like, how, how is that mix uh, that um, SCM has? It's, it's hard to look at that at the moment just because of the impact COVID has had, mm-hmm. um, because obviously all of our stores have been uh, shut for huge portions of, of the last year. Um, so it's difficult at the moment to look at that because, you know, during COVID, we we saw a huge increase in that on our own web web business. But then we saw a huge increase with our partners as well, particularly um, our third party retail online um, partners. No, that makes sense. Absolutely. And uh, in terms of COVID, I, I know that some of the stores, say in Toronto, where I'm located, um, have, you know, certainly been shut. And now I think that uh, they're offering, it's sort of a curbside pickup type of situation. Um, how has uh, Decium dealt with the COVID over the last little while overall in terms of some of the challenges that we've, uh, that all retailers have experienced? So, so when, you know, things started to escalate last March, we, you know, quickly sent everyone home. Uh, we shut our stores before, um, even before the, the requirements were there to shut. And I think we knew it wasn't going to be something that that ended quickly. Um, and we wanted to make sure that we could preserve um, all of our, our team's roles and also try and preserve that human connection. So we quickly pivoted um, and within a few weeks we'd implemented online consultations which therefore allowed you know consumers all over the world to connect with our 300 uh, retail ambassadors who have the most amazing knowledge of, of our products and the ingredients and to deliver those consultations virtually and you know it was amazing customers could send in pictures they could do video chats and, and I think it was a 
you know, actually good for for our audience because it allowed us to actually reach new cities. So uh, even if you didn't have a Decium store within your city, you're not able to have that experience. And, mm-hmm. and you know, given that actually so many more people are at home because, uh, you know, a huge portion of the world were, were now working from home, I think people actually had a bit more time to start looking at skincare and researching and so you know that was a a really interesting period where we just saw this huge buzz online um, and that was something that you know definitely benefited us us through it but you know it's um tough I think anything that it affects humans it affects uh, mental health it affects kind of energy levels um and I think you know now we're all trying to kind of find a new normal and um, touch wood at the moment um I think pretty much all of our stores were, were now reopen uh, but you know COVID's probably not over quite yet um and again just trying to manage this transition to actually what does the new normal look like but you know things like click and collect for the the pickup uh, that's been amazing so we can actually keep some of these features which we know can offer consumers even more convenience in being able to get the products how they want how they want to get them oh excellent and uh now leading a company that's growing rapidly and is so dynamic uh um do you have any sort of, I guess, tips around leadership? Because, uh, you know, I don't know if you had a lot of experience in that before. I, I'm in a situation where I have a business where I've got employees and often I don't know what I'm doing. But <laughs> but, but uh, tell me a little bit about the leadership around, you know, running running a big company. <laughs> so I will always say I'm, I'm probably the most unqualified CEO in the world, which I think often <laughs> happens, you know, when, when a company goes from startup and it goes to such a, fast growth you know back in 2013 I think we had nine employees and and we're now here at over 1200 today and so it's kind of always an interesting position when you've been with a company that's grown that quickly that you know your the traditional job definition has definitely outgrown me Uh, but you know I like to think that we can we've redefined many many things um, and I hope we can also redefine what a CEO can be because I think for me uh, values of kindness and actually just truly caring for our people is something that's you know I spend most of my, my waking hours thinking about how can we make sure we're just creating that best environment to to really foster talent and just kind of and look after the wellness of our people and I think you know I'm the biggest cheerleader for our, our people our brand and kind of what we're doing uh, and then you know fortunate enough to have an incredibly uh, talented leadership team uh, who understand P&Ls and, and things CEOs should understand far better than I do uh, but they you know really believe in the vision and I think you know my best conversations are with people at every corner of the organization at every level you know you learn sometimes the most talking to the people who are talking to your your consumers and and you know having a a strong leadership team means now I can actually focus on the areas where one I think I can add more value but two are the areas that I I really feel add the most value to me. Terrific and uh uh, back to the brand itself. Um, in the future, do you see future, say, lines or categories in beauty, um, and even perhaps some new brands um, under the Decium umbrella? Yes, you know we're always looking. You know, even in just the last uh, year or so, we've launched um, a fragrance, our uh, Indra Anomaly shop, which is our store fragrance. And um, so, home fragrance was a new category for us. Uh, we've expanded color. We we launched our concealers within the last year too. Uh, so yeah, we continue to look at you know different categories and kind of different areas we we want to innovate in but we always try to make sure that innovation uh, comes from our uh, labs from our science team 
Yeah. And um, now brands such as The Ordinary, might we see more standalone stores, even for some of the, I don't know if we call them sub-brands, but uh, um, is that part of the strategy at all with uh, with Decium as well? Uh, so we liked where we can, if we can kind of give a, a focus to one of the brands, then it makes us happy. And um, so that's why, you know, we have the, well, a couple of stores in, in New York that have the focus on the ordinary. Uh, but then if you were to go to actually our, our store in Edinburgh in Scotland, it's got a, a New York focus in there. Uh, likewise, our, our store in, in Soho in London in, in Seven Dials has got a, a New York focus so most of the stores you can get all the brands but you may find a difference in terms of uh more just from kind of the the space and the visuals what is dedicated to each brand excellent and uh i guess this is a general question but um where do you see the beauty industry going uh uh you know there's there's competitors coming down the pipeline there's there's a movement towards sustainability you know the uh i think the consumer is shifting in terms of what they're seeing around even social equity and equality um, do you have sort of a vision generally for where beauty is going uh, at this really unique time? You know, I think sustainability is going to be a huge uh, topic, but I think actually it kind of is even bigger than just sustainability. I think this, I really feel like mankind are just becoming uh kind of people who actually care and want to do good and therefore I think you know there's really um, more pressure than ever on 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 companies on on brands to first of all be transparent with what they're doing but actually just being good on how they treat their people how they treat their suppliers how they treat their audience what do they do you know not just when people are looking but actually when the doors are closed are our companies actually kind of living up to values that they they say they are and so I think you know it's all kind of connected with the sustainability transparency and kind of just this broader um broader focus on, on kindness um is kind of where I, I see companies going. Oh, well, thank you for coming on today and hope everything with Destium goes well. It's been exciting to watch this expansion. The company's grown quickly and uh, I absolutely love the whimsical stores. I may have to head over to the distillery at district at some point. That store is incredible. There's, there's so many great ones. And uh, but thank you so much. So uh, this has been Nicola Kilner. She's the CEO and co-founder of Toronto-based beauty brand Decium. And I'm Craig Patterson, editor-in-chief of Retail Insider. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us today. Take care and bye for now.